Good morning. You look like a lovely bunch. That's great. It's great to be here this morning. Um, We're going to be reading through Psalm 25, and I'm going to expand upon that. Uh, And it has to do with the, the, the idea of trust. So before I start, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God that we can trust, a God who uh, is, never fails, a God who uh, is consistent in everything that he does, everything he has ever done, um, and that we can rely upon you. Help us, Father, to understand what David is on about here in Psalm 25. Um, help us to learn uh, through your Holy Spirit what it means to trust in you, uh, to put our trust in someone who is ever trustworthy, um, and to share in, in the benefits and, and, uh, and grace and mercy that you give us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 25 is uh, what we're looking at. And the issue that comes up in this is trust. So who do you trust? It's a good question, isn't it? Who do you trust? Uh, do you trust your mum? Yeah, I can see some nods. Good. What about your dad? Yeah, oh, Les? Oh, that's a bit worrying. What about your spouse? Do you trust your spouse? Um, your relatives? Your best friend? How about your best friend? Do you trust them? On the other hand, what about trusting the government? Oh, I see a couple of... Yes, there, yeah. Uh, police? Um, what about the people who administer the justice system? Judges and the advocates? Do you even trust yourself? There's another one for you. Do you trust yourself? Trusting is something we do all the time, um, even though you might do it unconsciously. In 2022, that was last year, a global survey found that whilst all of these categories scored under 60%, doctors, scientists and teachers were the most trusted professions. So all you doctors, scientists and teachers... Stand proud. But it won't come as any surprise that advertising executives, government ministers and politicians generally scored very low on the trust scale. And interestingly enough, sitting somewhere in the middle, about 38% of respondents said they trusted other people. So even the best trust is under 60%. People are very cautious when it comes to placing their trust in others. So who do we trust? Well, as Christians, as we gather together, we talk a lot about trust. Trust figures very highly in the relationship that we have with God. We talk about trusting in God. We talk about trusting in his character. We talk about trusting in his nature, trusting his promises, trusting what is written in scripture, and trusting him with our future. You'll remember from our series uh, last year on 1 Samuel how God chose David to lead Israel because he was a man after God's own heart. Well, this psalm that we have before us today is written by that man and it gives us a close-up view as to how David, a man with a heart for God, puts his trust in the Lord and what that looks like in his life. And based on this we'll see what trusting God might look like in our lives. 
David tells us in his own words how he places his trust in God and only God. And he trusts that by doing this, that God will be trustworthy back to him and show him the way to live. I want to look at this psalm under five headings. First one is trusting God. The second, God will show us the way. Thirdly, God has a history of being trustworthy. Fourthly, God's character is trustworthy. Fifthly, trust God with our lives. And finally, life living under God. Living life under God. Let's go to the first one, trusting God. The next slide is, in fact, the first three verses. And I just want to expand upon them. And Because David says, with a great degree of certainty, he's absolutely convinced that he puts his trust and hope in the Lord and no one else. His entire focus in trusting God is to guide his life, both in the good times and when times are tough. And we as followers of Jesus are also very much aware of that, that we need to trust God as well. It's one of those truths that we know about. But, you know, just knowing about the fact that we can trust God is not enough. We also need to act on it, just as David did. Because day by day, we often find that we leave behind what we know about trusting God and follow our own way, follow our own course of action. And when we do this, we're in fact ignoring God. And worse still, worse still, by our actions, we are saying to him that we're not really prepared to rely upon you. We've really got no confidence in you. And when it comes time to act, we sort of ignore God, put him to one side and confide in the trust that we have in ourselves. We know here that we need to trust God, but when we're doing things, we often forget. Just one example I thought of as I was uh, thinking about this. Sometimes we consciously pray that God will show us what he wants us to do, how to serve him. And when the time comes to act, we often make excuses. We find alternatives find something else to do, or sometimes we just flatly refuse to to act on what God is prompting us to do. You know, by doing this, we're sort of limiting God in the amount of trust that we place in him. We're saying that he isn't up to the task and that we know better. Adam and Eve fell into the same trap when they decided to eat the fruit that God told them not to eat. Whereas in contrast, David states emphatically that he puts his trust in the Lord. So where does that take us? Well, David says, Show me your ways, O Lord, because David trusts God to show him his ways and teach him where to go. He looks to God for what he needs to get him through life. David asks God to show him, to teach him, to guide him, in the truth. He places his trust and hope in what God has to say, not just when times are tough, not just when David has run out of his own ideas, but as you can see at the end of verse 5, all day long, always. As it was back in David's day, it isn't easy for us today to trust God, 
The world around us questions the very sanity of trusting God at almost every turn. Trusting God always, as David is doing, will go against almost every piece of advice that you're likely to get from other people. Every piece of advice that you get from books and from the media and those people who proclaim the values of the world. The world around us constantly bombards us with statements that purport to be true but are often found wanting. Untruth, half-truth, these these things all vie for our attention and our behaviour and try to influence what we do. You see, the world's track record in promoting so-called truth has been corrupted, found wanting. There's enough false ideology, enough false humanist ideas and coercion and propaganda around, people seeking to lord it over others, that we cannot trust our world. But we can trust God, because his track record is impeccable. God has a history of being trustworthy. David knows that God will remember how he showed mercy and love to his people. He has confidence in God because he's acted in a consistent way with his people from the very beginning of time. God's deal or covenant with his people to be their God hasn't changed in all those years and it's still valid for us today. God doesn't change his promises like people in the world do. God remains true to his promises and he's demonstrated his love for us in that he sent his only son into the world to reconcile us with him. He keeps his promises and this confirms that he is trustworthy and that we can trust him just like David did. Now David wasn't perfect just like you and I. He knew that his past sins and indiscretions had hurt that relationship that he had with God. But he is certain that God accepts his repentance and and his plea for forgiveness. And he knows that the memory of his sins has been wiped clean by God. We're in the same boat. Because of Jesus, we too can call upon God's mercy to forgive our sins. And just like David, we can be sure that God has wiped our slate clean. Why? Because God's trustworthy. Not only is he trustworthy, but his whole character is trustworthy. David said God is good. He is upright. God instructs sinners in his way. God guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. And we're all covered by this under these categories. David goes on to say that God's ways are loving and faithful to those who keep his commandments. So we need to be obedient in doing what God says. So what does David do knowing all of this, knowing that God is trustworthy? He brings his matters before God. He knows that he can ask him for forgiveness. He knows that asking God to remember, because God can, sorry, he is asking God to remember his track record, that is God's track record, in forgiving Israel and her people. And he is certain that God will treat him with the same goodness and mercy as he treated his people in the past. Today we have Jesus, who is our Lord and Saviour, And we can approach him with the same confidence that David approached God. 
Everything David asks of God is also available to you and to me because trusting him means that we are forgiven. We can also trust God with our lives. As I said earlier, we find it hard to trust other people. As followers of Jesus, we know that God's trustworthy. So how do we move from just knowing this in our heads to incorporating it into our lives so that we live our lives for the Lord? Because pure knowledge that God is trustworthy isn't complete without a response on our part. In the book of James, James tells us that even the demons believe and shudder before God. They know God as well but they do nothing about it except fight him. As followers of the Lord, knowing the correct answer about our belief and our trust and hope in God isn't complete if we don't take action. What we know and what we do needs to be in sync. One ought to reflect the other. There needs to be an alignment between our knowledge of the trustworthiness of God and how we live trusting God. We need to trust God with our lives. David's description of what it looks like to be a follower of God, trusting him in everything, is graphically expressed in these next verses, which are on the screen at the moment. It will be those people who stand in awe of God, who will be instructed by him and who will prosper. Now, prosperity is a product of God's grace, and it's often misinterpreted. When he wrote this psalm, David was being pursued by those who were out to kill him and he looked forward to the blessings that would come to those who feared the Lord. At that time, his understanding of blessings was the possession and productive use of the land that God had given them. The promised land was his focus of understanding about prosperity. So Israel's prosperity at the time was measured in material ways. We live under the gospel of grace and our prosperity comes not from material things but from our possession of the saving grace of Jesus. It's vested in the promise of eternal life, the receipt of the Holy Spirit and our assured hope of eternity. Our prosperity is both relational with Jesus and spiritual with the Holy Spirit rather than things material. Because we know in the long run, anything material is only temporary and will vanish. You know, we're prosperous because God has confided in us the mystery of his will, making us beneficiaries of his mercy, of his grace, and of everything that flows from that sort of relationship. Understanding this, David is confident to bring anything that is on his heart before God. So living a life under God, what does that look like? You see, David started the psalm petitioning God to save him from his enemies because he's in a real pickle at the moment. He wants God to remove him from his troubles, guard his life, protect him from his enemies. And he opens up to God, voicing his anxiety and helplessness, asking for relief, asking for refuge. And he's confident that God hears his prayers and that his hope and trust in God will protect him. In the midst of his uncertainty, he is clinging on to the only certainty that there is, the trust and hope that he has in the Lord. That's what it looks like for David. What about us? 
What does trusting in the Lord look for us? Well, trusting in the Lord means that we will pray and seek his will for us before we start doing anything. From the very simple things of life to the much more complex and difficult. Praying will help us to avoid taking matters into our own hands and act as if we know better than God what we should be doing. Our focus when we trust in the Lord is on his word and what it has to say to us. Trusting God in practice will also help us to give us the patience that we need when things don't happen as fast as we want them to. We will have trust in a God who is wise and loving, who will answer our prayers in a way that is good for us. Our fears of life and trouble will be reduced because he promises to rescue us from our enemies and not let us be tempted beyond our capacity to endure. Our relationship with him and with others will be improving all the time. The more we rely upon him, the more we are filled with his spirit. Our patience, our kindness, our self-control, our concern for others will change for the better. The pathway that he maps out for us won't be smooth, but at least he will have us heading in the right direction. So how do we remember all this complexity? How can we, what can we do to help us to remember to trust in the Lord day by day? You won't remember those six points necessarily. So what is something that, that you can do to remind you to trust God? I just want to share with you that one, find, one way that I find helpful doing that is to remember the words of Christian hymns and songs. But sometimes songs and hymns distill the complexity of God's word into simple language and repetition. And it really helps me to sort of call that up. And if Chris was in the room, I don't think he is, he'd say there's a song in that. The verses I want to share with you from one hymn is a hymn called Trust and Obey. Some of you will know it. You can almost, I can almost hear you singing it. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who trust and obey. Then in fellowship, that relationship sweet, we will sit at his feet, walk by his side in the way, guiding us. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That's what living out our life and trusting God is all about. There's no other way. Let me pray. Gracious, merciful God, we thank you that you're a God who leads your people, who instructs us in the way that we should go. We thank you that you lead us in what is right, that you reveal your ways to us, that you show us the paths we should follow. Father, we pray that we would know how we would know you in a deep and real way, that we would know you through our word, through your word by listening and learning to your truths and also obeying your commands. Have mercy on us, Lord, for we know that we often put ourselves above others and above you. Help us to be patient and wait upon your perfect timing in everything that we do. Help us to please you and to love your people in all that we say and do. This we ask in the name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen.